You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Radical Disruption. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. She is a chiropractor, podcaster, speaker, and coach. She began her career with a passion for helping women and children in her local communities find better health and maximize their expression of life. Ten years into practice, after building multiple clinics and leading a large team, She felt a calling to begin helping other female chiropractors find success in their own clinics while still prioritizing their family, core values, and passions. She started the podcast, She Slays the Day, and quickly built a super loyal community within a tiny niche of women chiropractors. After three years of a successful podcast that wasn't paying anything, she figured out how to leverage her social media and audience to create a high-ticket course and bring in six figures on its first launch. Although she loves the vanity metrics that measure success, she's a fantastic real-life example that you do not need tens of thousands of followers to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let's dive into the episode. All right, I am so excited to dive into this episode with my dear friend, Lauren. We connected at the Kajabi Hero event. She came up to me and she was like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And then she reached out to me via email. And I am so excited to be chatting with her today. Before I continue talking, I'm just going to actually turn it over to you, Lauren, to give people a deeper background on your story. Obviously, we got the intro before we jumped into this episode, but I would love to know more about like how you actually got to where you are today and like how you got to a place where we're hopping on this podcast episode right now and chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am 36 and I'm a chiropractor. I've got two kids and six different businesses. And so I've done a lot of personal development to like know what my core values are. And so I do a lot of, you know, I get therapy like we all do now, but my journey has really been about realizing that I am like embracing that I am a millennial. And with that, the need for freedom and like really comes strongly in my life. But before I realized that aspect, that that was like going to be a super important part of my life, I fell in love with chiropractic. And, you know, if you don't know much about chiropractic, it is a very hands-on, in-person kind of thing. Even a pandemic did not allow for any kind of virtual chiropractic to happen. And so as I, you know, I had this career that I love, love, not in the past tense, but I chose it. And honestly, it put me through a couple of years where I was like, would now that I know all this about me and how important it is that I don't want to be stuck in a building eight to five, five days a week until I retire. And I'd also don't want to leave chiropractic prematurely because I feel stuck. Like, how do I take a profession that I fell in love with, but make a life that is everything I want it to be. So, I mean, there's like a podcast in there and a bunch of like courses and stuff like that. And that's the other five businesses. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that that's the perfect thing to get started with is talking about, you know, if for the listeners, if they are, you know, running a brick and mortar business or they have a brick and mortar business, and there are a lot of brick and mortar businesses, I will say out there that can have virtual aspects, but there are also a lot of brick and mortar businesses that can't have a virtual aspect to it. And so what would you say in terms of, you know, people who are maybe in chiropractic or maybe they are physical therapists or whatever it is that they need to be in person with their clients, like seeing people in person, how do you create freedom when you have to be in person? Right. And you know, the other thing, in addition to in person is it's also a fee for service. So even physical therapists could do a lot of virtual stuff, like they could, but it's still swapping an hour for 
a certain amount of money or whatever, right? And so even if you know, you were able to set up like I do physical therapy consults or like from a beach, you're still really kind of stuck in that this is how much I get for this hour. And so when then when you're talking about like wanting to not just freedom from the brick and mortar, but then also the next layer is freedom from the fee for service and like one hour equals this. And in order to expand my wealth, I have to work 90 hours a week, you know, so yeah. I would say if like for first, if you're really in the like, I don't have anything. And if there's a chiropractor listening, they're like, oh, well, I sell pillows and I sell supplements online. I'm talking about like, how do you create like hundreds of thousands of dollars of well, you know, I'm not talking about yeah. like, oh, I made an extra $1,000 on supplements in a month. You know, we're talking about bigger um, things. So it comes down to figuring out, do if you want to be building wealth, then you really need to learn how to delegate to other people. And if you own your own business, you know, it's this hard thing where you're going to probably lose some of your profitability. It just is the case when you're paying more people, but you need to become a really good leader and in being able to delegate, automate, make as many things just simple as possible. So you can kind of dip back and forth. So like I will adjust, I adjust 12 hours a week in my clinic, one full day and two half days. And that's because that fits with what I want right now. But if next month I wanted to go down to eight hours, I could definitely do that because I have the necessary like training and systems and procedures in place for other people to do my job. (laughs) Yeah, which kind of gets them stuck a little bit too. But like, really, when you were running this business, that is like, no, there. I don't see a way in which I can be like, okay, Maya, I'm feeling your neck right now. Do can can you feel that? Like, can oh, did you did you hear that pop? You're like, no. I'm like, shoot me either. Uh, well, that'll be fifty dollars. But you know, so until that is a weird reality, which I don't see coming for my profession, if freedom is something that you're seeking. And you feel really confident that like, no, I don't want to abandon this profession. Like, I still love this. I didn't make a, I don't want to do a full career pivot. Yeah. Then you need to figure out like how it runs in your absence. I love that. And I feel like systems and automations and delegation are big terms that are thrown around in the entrepreneur space all of the time. Can you give us a little bit deeper of a look into, let's just start with delegation. Like, what did that process look like for you at the beginning? And like, what does that look like for you now? Because obviously, like delegation wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go out and hire 20 people, you know, at the very beginning. And it might look like that for you right now. But what was that first step when you were thinking about, okay, well, I need to create more freedom. How do I do that? Delegation is that that next step for me. I love that. So first, um, just because of the profitability aspect, a lot of entrepreneurs wait a little too long before they bring that person on that they're going to delegate to. So honestly, I kind of created this. So I did a phone call. I don't have a virtual assistant yet, but like we need one and we needed one six months ago. And so I'm doing this onboarding call with this company or like an interview call to see. And um, she's like, okay, so for the first two weeks, and she's explaining how I'm going to need to train this virtual assistant on all these things. And I'm like, I do not have 25 hours to do this. Like, ah, like, and so I'm trying to figure it out because I need it, but like, I'm going to have to figure out now, how do I give the time for this to happen, to go to that next step? And so a lot of entrepreneurs do the same thing. They wait to hire until they really needed it last week or last month. Yeah. And then they're kind of in the situation where they don't have the time to properly train. So then they're stuck in this. And I believe this is a Michael Hyatt thing where they're kind of imprisoned by this. It will take longer for me to train you than for me to just do it myself. And so that's kind of the first thing that people really get jailed by is like, I don't have the time to train you to do this. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And then the next thing that comes with it is like, we care about this more than anyone. 
We also, um, if we're holding on to it, there is this lack of trust and this hyper control that comes from like, I don't know that anybody's going to do as good of a job as me. Like, yeah. because if I had an employee that I was like, I think they would do a better job, I would have given them that task a long time ago. So yeah. any tasks that are still on your to-do list, you're holding on to because you don't trust that someone else can do it better without extensive, extensive training. And so one of the things that I was reading in a book that was talking about where it's like, the goal shouldn't be, can they do it 100% as good as me? When you're looking to scale and make some of these changes of acquiring freedom and, you know, again, scaling your business, it's can they do it 80% as well as me? And really wrapping your head around like, good enough. And there will be some tasks, like very few, that 80% isn't good enough, right? Like your taxes or something. Like you don't want somebody like, <laughs> good enough. Yeah. Um, so there are, you know, there are those tasks that you're going to hold onto because you're like, no, 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 no. This needs to be 100%. But most of the things, it's good enough. And getting okay with like, if this is a dream that you are looking to build, then learning to go good enough is one of the first steps. I love that so much. And I think too, I mean, I'm just like mic drop, mic drop, mic drop. Like I'm like, I agree with literally everything that you're saying. So, so, so good. Thank you for saying all those things. And I thinking back on my journey when I was just, you know, initially looking to hire someone, I thought all the same things. I was like, but I can do this better. But I, you know, the amount of time that it's going to take someone to learn my voice or learn, you know, the systems and the, like, it's just going to take so long. But I, I love, love, love what you're saying, because in order for us to, in order for any entrepreneur to get to really that next level and to get to, I don't know if there's ever like total freedom, obviously, because like there's still work involved, but to get to that level of freedom that like you, you aspire to get to, you have to hire people along the way. So for you specifically, you know, in chiropractic, having this brick and mortar aspect to your business, what was that first hire for you? The first hire was another doctor because, you know, well, I guess I can't say the first hire. The first hire is like a front desk person, right? Yeah. Like, you know, because you're, it, you learn really quickly. There's the things that you need to do. And then there's the things that somebody else should easily be doing. So like the first hire is the easiest one where it's like, I'm not answering the phone. That's weird. Why is the doctor answering the phone? Right. Um, and I'm not scheduling and I don't want to collect the money. So like, yeah, again, all the stuff you don't want to do. So you make that first hire of like, I don't want to do this. Please someone else do this. I am terrible at it. The first like real difficult hire was, you know, you get to the certain point where it's like, I have delegated as much as I can. But ultimately, the only thing that I can't delegate right now is the adjustments. My front desk can't do that. I need to employ a higher level employee, a higher level salary to do the adjustments because the adjustments are what pays the bills, Yeah, right? Like you can have the best scheduler in the world, the best collections person, the best you know front desk experience. But all none of that is what we charge for. We charge for the adjustments. And so we needed to duplicate our product so we could make more money. And then after that, then it was, you know, so when I'm adjusting less, well, then I'm becoming the CEO. And then, you know, once you've kind of had these first two main hires, those ones tend to be easiest-ish. Again, like, you know, the doc, it's a higher salary, you know, but... When you're sitting as a CEO and you still have this like, well, I do the marketing and I like to send those emails and I like to do this, then you've really gotten into your area, which isn't 100% your genius zone, but it's like really where you're holding on to. You're like, these are my precious and you really yeah. don't want to let those. So letting go of marketing was my most difficult one because I coach chiropractors on marketing. So there would literally be on the same day, I would release something on Instagram or on my podcast about like, never do this in a reel or always make sure your reels include this. And then like that same day, my front desk would release a reel that is not what I just trained on. And I'm like, 
okay, I don't know if I'd call that 80% as good. Maybe that's 50%. <laughs> you're like, oh gosh, like that's, mm. so like the marketing required, but it was that check, like that kind of systems of checks and balances where I was like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time out here on this other job, training other people to do theirs. Maybe I need to turn back inwards, come back, not take it back. Cause that's the other thing that a lot of people want to do is they'll delegate something. It gets not messed up, but like, I don't know, <laughs> grimace where you're like, that's not what I wanted. And so they take it back. They just, their, their ego takes that as proof that, nope, you shouldn't have delegated this. This is something that you should only be doing. And they just take it right back. And instead in that moment, leaning into like, okay, let's review what qualifies as like a really top-notch reel or a top-notch piece of marketing in this but you know, that's uncomfortable conversations. And so we just avoid all that. We're like, I'll just, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Yeah. And I think something else that you said as well, where you were talking about, you know, finding someone who can just do it 80%. I think about when you get to a point where you're looking for that first hire too, you have so many things that are going on that if we're being like totally truthful, a lot of those tasks are probably being done 80% by you anyways, because you have so many things that are going on. Like you, you can't, give your 100% to all of these different things. And so, I mean, ultimately, like, to me, I was like 80%. At first, I was like, oh, yeah. But then I was like thinking about myself when I was looking for that first hire. And I was like, by the time I got to that person who took on for me, that was email marketing, 100%. That, that was already I was already doing that task at 80%. So anything at that or above is like amazing. So that's something to keep in mind, too, is, you know, you get to that point And we shouldn't have to get to this point, but most of most entrepreneurs do wait until, like you said, it's until it's like you're about to burst and you literally have no capacity at that point. And so you you could even have tasks that you're doing at 50%. So anything above that is going to be amazing, yeah. right? So that's just something that I was like, oh, I love that you said that. So we just talked about delegation. Now going into like the systems and automations aspect of that, what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? Right. And like, I feel like if you're a brick and mortar that has started in the last like one to five years, you know, or you're just in more that like Gen Z, a lot of this is not going to be groundbreaking. But from a clinic that, you know, we're in our 14th year of business, when we started, there was not Instagram. There was Facebook, but like Facebook had started like five years prior to that type of thing. Like it was this new thing where like it was not like, oh, if you have a business, of course you have a Facebook page. It was kind of that more old school. And so over time now, it's just looking at the things that our front desk does. So I'm a big person on trying to keep as profitable as possible, yeah. right? Because in this pursuit of seeking freedom, uh, we have swung kind of the a little far in the hiring where it's like, great, we've got this seven-figure business that I'm barely like, I'm not keeping as much of that nearly at all as I should be yeah. because I had delegated to humans and we needed a lot of humans to do it. And now- when you're looking at AI, holy cow, and just like automatic, there's like, there is an app and a system for everything now. So our patients can schedule themselves on an app. You know, we pay $300 a month for that service, but $300 times 12, you know, what is that? Like around, you know, $3,600 a year. You can't get a person for that. Yeah. And when, you know, we are seeing the volume, like our clinical see between five to 600 people a week who are trying to schedule and reschedule, like I would need to employ a $40,000 a, a year employee for sure yeah. to just answer the phone and like schedule and reschedule. And so like that, like that is a huge thing that I didn't need a person for. And so I should tell, like, I remember years ago, so I live in a really small town. Uh, we have a Walmart. We do not have a Target. It's really sad. So about five years ago, maybe maybe it was close, like somewhere between three and a half to five years ago, uh, our Walmart took out a bunch of the like checkout lanes and put in self-checkout. Yeah. 
And I remember thinking like, oh, that is so sad because they're not like offering these jobs anymore and you're losing that human touch point. Well, shocking. Walmart knew what they were doing. They were a lot, they're a lot biz- more business savvy than me. Um, and so like fast forward to this year and I have no problem checking out my own stuff. And we see across the board like a, a hiring issue for in brick and mortar. Like pandemic really just escalated that more where people want to work virtual or they want high dollar jobs. Yeah. And so these like jobs that are like flipping burgers at McDonald's and like so like these these lower level tasks are not as desirable anymore and you'd have to pay so much for them. So like it's it's really like those jobs any of those jobs that can be replaced with an app it's good to do because then you can bring on a higher level employee to do the things that an app can't. Yeah, I love that so much. Okay, I want to take the conversation and kind of pivot it in a different direction. So as you were talking, you talked about how, you know, you let go of marketing, but then you were also teaching other chiropractors marketing. So I'm assuming that that's one of your other businesses. Can you give a little bit of background on when you decided to do that, why you decided to do that, and what that business kind of looks like? Yeah. Um, so I was a part of like a chiropractic coaching company, um, not my own. I was just, you know, and I wasn't paid. It was like volunteer basically, but like I had shown enough success in my practice that they were like, hey, you should teach our people. You know, it was really great for them because they got free labor. Um, but you know, so you know, multiple times a month, I would do a Zoom call with you know fifteen to twenty chiropractors, and we would just talk through systems, procedures, and all these things. And I had done that for a couple of years, and I realized, like, all right, it's just time for me to kind of evolve out of this. I left really not knowing what the next step was going to be. I had no idea, but I realized within a month of leaving that I missed problem solving. I really missed like the entrepreneurship brain, like getting my gears going of like, yeah. Ooh, here's what I would do with this and talking to people about that. So I was like, let's start a podcast. And I'm like, and I'll just invite chiropractors to write in their problems, their situation. And I'll just give my opinion of what I would do. Yeah. So luckily my husband's super techie. So it didn't really involve much other than me him coming up with the idea and him being like, and here's a microphone, start start doing it. And so I created an Instagram account to go with the podcast. The Instagram was really just there to promote, like, I'm starting a podcast, go listen to it. Yeah. Simultaneously, you know, the Instagram grew, the podcast grew, you know, I really started to learn what the audience from Instagram, because I, with the podcast, there's very little feedback of like, did they love this episode? <laughs> yeah. Or did they go like, meh? So like Instagram really went hand in hand with the podcast of trying to determine what does my audience want to hear more of? And it grew slowly in my mind. Like, so we, we're on episode 216. So if I subtract that, I think that's like four years now. Yeah. And it is still to date just like a hundred followers a month. Of just like, oh my gosh. And in my head, I just want to freaking go viral so I can have like, you know, an impressive number of followers. Yeah. My content, any like in the beginning, I would try and do more like vague entrepreneurial stuff. And it just kind of flopped. Like it didn't do well because it wasn't speaking directly enough to my chiropractic audience. It was too vague. And then I all of a sudden am this like small fish in this huge sea of podcasts and Instagram accounts trying to give small business advice. And so I kind of just kept going back to chiropractic and talking about the things, you know, um, funny stuff that only chiropractors would resonate with, right? Like, you know, no other person is going to like share that reel or be like, oh yeah, totally. I hate when a patient farts when you adjust them, right? Like, (laughs) and so it was slow and I dealt with a lot of like back and forth frustration and comparison issues of like, 
I'm putting all this time into this. And like, yeah, I am very happy that I'm very happy for my 7,000 plus followers. Like they're great. But I was, it wasn't until I went to sell a course, like actually go like, okay, you've been receiving this podcast for free. It's easy to say you like something when it's free. It's, it's easy to follow an account, but like, let's see how supportive these people are. How much trust have I actually, how much of a community have I actually built? Yeah. And when we went to launch our high ticket course last year, I had no idea if I was going to sell a single one, to be honest. And we sold out and sold 25. Aeon brought in close to $200,000 of revenue. And it was just like, oh, wow. Okay. I don't need, you know, I could have had 50,000 followers, let's say, you know, like seven times the number of followers, but it wouldn't have necessarily been people who would have bought that course because that, you know, I just stayed very, very true to like, this is the niche that I'm in. This is what they find helpful. Therefore, they stay super engaged with me. And so then when I put out a product, they knew like, this is going to be like, I resonate with her. I trust her. I want this. Okay. 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 I'm like mind blown right now. I'm like, we, we got to back up. We got to break this down a little bit more. So six figure, basically multi six figure launch at the time. Like what was kind of going on? So how, how long have the podcast been around? How long had your Instagram account been around? How many followers on Instagram did you have? Give me all the data. Yeah. Great question. So we, about three years, so about 150 episodes. And there was this really interesting, I was at a leadership development course um, or weekend in Nashville and Rory Vaden, who does like personal branding for Amy Porterfield and a bunch of other names like that we would all recognize, was at this conference and he was talking about one of the things that he does when he's helping someone like build a personal or like launch something is it's like, give away all your best stuff. Give it away. Don't gatekeep anything for three years. And he said, you know, obviously he gets a lot of pushback because a lot of the times by the time someone's like, I have this. Well, I know I want to sell this tomorrow. And he's like, well, you don't have the audience. Yeah. You don't have this established trust. Yeah. Gary V, I think, is really big into this also, where it's just like, give it, give it all away for a long, long time. Now, if you remember, I had no idea why I was starting a podcast except for like, <laughs> this sounds fun. And so like literally <laughs> I'm sitting there at this conference next to my husband who like is my co-manager in all of our businesses. And we're ironically three years in to this podcast, yeah. knowing we're ready to, you know, monetize in some way, but not really knowing what we've done and gone like, oh, shoot. We accidentally did that exact thing. I love that. So we kind of stumbled into what the experts recommend, which is just pour it all out, like give it away. And so then by the time you have something, people are like, well, if this is what she's giving away, I can't imagine what's behind that payment line. I love that so much. Okay. And so in terms of Instagram followers, what are we looking at? Probably like, 6,500 ish. Yeah, I've probably grown about 700 since, you know, that like probably closer to 6,000. Um, it's not like I went viral once I started selling a course. Yeah. But I will say we did not do a single ad for any of those sales. So it's all organic? All organic. And we have about a thousand chiropractors or a thousand people that listen to every episode. So between the podcast, getting consistently, you know, a thousand people every week and the 6,000 on Instagram. Our email list wasn't massive um, at all because I don't listen to Jenna Kutcher and (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm working on it now, right? Like um, after the Kajabi conference, I'm like, okay, fine. So even though I had seven or 6,000 followers on Instagram, our email list was like a 900. Yeah. You know, and all we did was send out a Sunday email that said like new episode, here's the links to listen. So 
Like we really weren't nurturing them at all. Nothing on YouTube. I really like Facebook just isn't my jam. Like this is where I think I am a younger millennial where I'm like, I'm missing such a bit, like I have such a small market and like a lot of my market. So, okay. So 25 to 55 year old female chiropractors is my market. Well, the 40 to 55 year olds are still over on Facebook. So like there's a whole group that have no idea who I am because I just don't show up on Facebook at all. Yeah. That's my virtual assistant's going to help. So yeah, so we weren't doing any Facebook, any YouTube, no TikTok. It was just Instagram and the podcast. I love that. And what did the launch timeline look like? So you were promoting on podcasts, you know, you obviously promoted on email and you promoted on Instagram. But in terms of timeline, like what did that like? Was this like a month long timeline? Was this like one week of a hard push? What did that look like? So because of the price point of the course, I did discovery calls for everybody. So like basically a 15 minute call to find out because the the topics in the course, it's not a startup course. Like it is not for somebody who's just graduated or just starting their business. This is definitely for a certain level of like mindset and business. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to bring anybody in with false expectations and you know, really lay out what was going to be in it. And so 15 minute call. So this was over, I had planned on December through the end of January, I was going to like kind of soft push and just see like, all right, I was basically gatekeeping the need for any paid advertising until after Christmas. Like if we weren't doing as well as I thought by that Christmas, because this was our first year, we had no idea. We have no click funnels going. We have no virtual, like it's just me. And we were like, you know what? If maybe we only sell three or four, we'll just like do the entire course through Facebook, like a Facebook group, like just yeah. keep it super low. Um, and so we just did a soft launch through starting with the podcast and being yeah. like, okay, this is the course that I've started. This is like what it is, you know? maybe like a three or four minute spiel and you don't have access to it until, you know, this date, I think I gave like a two week thing. And like, if you want to get on the wait list, you know, you have, this is going to be the cheapest price. Yeah. And so the, it's going to go out. There's a certain number of spots, but there's going to be a 48 hour wait list special where you will get first access to this if you want. And so we had, I think like 110 people on the wait list. And then from that, that's where we then gave more information and then the price. And like, do you want to, and I think the waitlist price was 6,900. And so do you want to then set up a, a call with me? You have to book it during this 48 hour special to get that. And so we had like 30 people from that waitlist book a call and I closed 14 of them. So it was like, this was in the first two weeks of this like initial month of a soft launch where I was like, whoa, I remember, (laughs) okay, I don't think a Facebook group is going to work. So this is where, this is where we joined Kajabi. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, I think we need to like, okay, we're on to something because we just didn't know, like we had actually done, which I didn't include two smaller courses. Okay. Previously. Okay. And one was a reels course. And it took, it was like actually really, really good. Like the amount of information and editing that went into it was awesome. And we're like, we're going to sell this for, so it was reels for chiropractors. We're going to sell this for $37. And we're just going to sell like a thousand of them. Well, we didn't. We sold like 35. And we learned, like we learned a lot. Oh, we also learned that I didn't really love creating courses on social media because we went to relaunch six months later. Oh, that course requires at least 30 hours of editing because Instagram has updated. (laughs) So it was like, okay, great lesson. I don't want, when I create a course, I don't want to have to do that much every yeah, time sure. we relaunch it. And we learned that the price point was way too low. Nobody, like people are so busy that they're like, there is likely nothing of worth 
of my time yeah. for $37. Like this, you know, where it's just like, oh, it was, it should have been a $300 course. Yeah. You know, and so we learned like, okay, price point, you know, and then there was just like another one that was like really early on within like the first, like maybe a year after that I think was like at a $400 por- price point. And like that one did well. Like I think, you know, but again, it was so much work. Yeah. So that one, I only allowed 15 people in. But if you start doing the math of like, and I was showing up for that group every week and like doing all this, you know, you start doing the math and it's like, was that worth it? Yeah. So, so yeah, so we had done two other ones and we just like kind of soft failed and learned. Yeah. Did I even answer your question? I I went on like a tangent there. Sorry. (laughs) No, yeah. You totally answered the question. Thank (laughs) you. What has sales looked like since the launch? Like, have you continued to sell? Was it like, was it like a big rush and now it's like crickets? Like, what does that look like? So it was closed. So because it was, it's like, it's a 10 week course only offered once a year. Um, with like cohort calls, it was like a very strong start date and end date. So I had two months planned, like the first month being like, we'll just kind of push organically. And then the second month we'll do a bunch on advertising if we need to, you know, kind of doing the like, Hey, if we spend $10,000 on ads to even get two more sales, that makes sense. We'd never wrapped our brains around that kind of money before. Right. Like when you're talking about, you know, the jump from organic to paid and when you're like, oh, but no, you could spend $10,000 on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube ads. And if you just sell two, you're ahead. And it's like, oh, that's crazy to think. So yeah, so we had held all that as like if we need to, but by Christmas, so three and a half weeks in, we had sold 21 of the 25 spots. And so then we're like, okay, well, let's just kind of let time, you know, I kind of continued to throw it out on Instagram, maybe like once or twice a week, Yeah, I'd mention it. And then just those remaining spots filled up and it was like, oh, well, that was kind of (laughs) easy. Knock on wood, easy. So then like, um, you know, we will, we won't go into our second launch until this December. And we're kind of going like, we might actually wait until after Christmas because we didn't need, you know, it starts the first week in February. Yeah. And January was really nothing for us. So we're like, well, maybe we'll just start the week after Christmas and sell in January. And yeah, but it's a closed cart thing. So yeah, that totally makes sense. I love that. Something I think, you know, at least me where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so mind blown. The reason why I am so mind blown is because I think a lot of people think in order to bring in that type of money during a launch, you have to have hundreds of thousands of followers. And with you, you have a very micro niche. Like it, it you are a neat, pretty much as niche down as you can possibly get in terms of niche. And so it's female chiropractors who don't use insurance and are focused on like pregnancy, pediatric and family practice. So we're not like rehab, car accidents, any of that. So like it's even smaller than that. <laughs> Yeah. And I love that because, again, you've built something that most people only dream of from having an audience that is quite small, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, when we're talking of audiences on social media, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is listening to this and they're like, okay, I want to be successful, but I have a, you know, a a micro niche, maybe not like that micro, but like, you know, a a more specific niche. And, you know, what would you say in terms of advice to that type of person? I would say get even more specific. Like if you are in fit, like the fitness realm, which isn't a brick and mortar, but like, you know, that's a niche, right? Yeah. That is a big area. Yeah. And you can make it really big, but like I would almost say like niche down further than you think in the beginning. Get traction because like life is long, right? So I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to stay in this micro niche for the rest of my life. Yeah. I might kind of work this, learn from it for the next 3 to 5 years. And then I might start working on like all healthcare private practices or, you know, like, but starting niche gave me traction faster. Yes. It allowed it to grow much faster because like I kind of said a hundred a month and that's not true. 
it kind of jumped to like 3000 within the first six months. Right. So, you know, but our first episode from a podcast standpoint was a thousand listeners, which is the average podcast gets 126 downloads. I always joke, like I would not keep going. I would not. (laughs) 126 downloads. I'm sorry. That's too niche. No. So like niching down even more, really picturing instead of, so like, let's say you have a following of 300. Instead of trying to talk to 300 people, imagine the one person, and this is so like cheesy and overstated, but like picture at most two or three people who are your followers and like exactly what problems they have. So like, I think we're so worried to swing for the fences and like miss. So like being like, I know you want more freedom in your life. Well, what if they don't want more freedom? Well, okay, then don't worry, keep doing. And the fact of the matter is, is a lot of time this is going to be, especially in the niche world, something very close to who you are. You are likely your target market. If you're in the niche world, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, but like if it's a problem you have, this is what your audience has. Like this is it. You can feel very confident that like if you go and this is something that you find really annoying or really funny when it happens in clinic, you can be assured that like your niche feels the same way. And that's what's that like slow steady organic growth will get you is like the people who don't relate there are chiropractors who um i don't want to say i like rip on rehab or anything like that it's just like i find it boring i find like adjusting an elbow the like most boring thing in the world like give me a newborn with colic or constipation any day and i'm like yes and there are chiropractors who are like oh i hate adjusting kids they're squirmy they might puke on you give me a Medicare 70 year old, like with sciatica any day. And we both would just be like, that like sounds like my worst nightmare. So there are people, you know, but I wasn't trying to get all of chiropractic because I knew like, if I tried, like if I threw out an elbow thing, then like my audience that really, really actually resonated with the true version of me would be like, uh, that's boring. You know, they just would be only halving. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. To kind of wrap everything up, I mean, we've talked about so many different things, so many different aspects from brick and mortar to uh, delegating to systems and automations and successful launches and micro niches. I would love to know kind of, you know, from someone, again, from the standpoint of having a brick and mortar business, you know, looking back on your journey where obviously it was you in this brick and mortar business, then you went about delegating and implementing systems. And then it probably got you to a place where you had enough freedom to then start in the online space, you know, the more micro niche where you are now having courses. And um, that's probably also brought a lot of freedom in as well, because that's not total passive income, but that allows for a little bit more of that passive income to be coming in. So for someone who is listening, who has a brick and mortar, do you suggest that they also think about transitioning into the online space? Or like, I guess, just looking back on your journey, what would you suggest for someone who's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm in brick and mortar. This is my final question. (laughs) I'm in brick and mortar. You know, I'm looking for more freedom. Are there multiple avenues for them? What is that? How would you, I guess, answer that question? Yeah. I mean, I won't speak for all because like, I'm sure I'm going to forget like some really great pieces of advice that other people would say. But like, you know, I think understanding, I'm about to say something super cheesy, um, like the why you're doing this, like, but like, it's so true. Like you can't say it. it. (laughs) You know, you have to understand why are you doing this? Because within chiropractic, for instance, a lot of times if you put the effort that you're going to in this side hustle, just into the business you've already started, you would see more profit. I'll see this with like chiropractors that will reach out and they'll be like, I don't know, I want to make more money. Like maybe I should start selling oils. And it's like, do you love oils? Well, no, I just, and it's like, focus on your business, like your meat and potatoes. Don't have so many different things that you're trying to serve up to make a buck. 
focus on the thing you're passionate about, which is obviously the thing you started your original business about. Yeah. So if it's just about making more money, which is that form of freedom, financial freedom is huge. Yeah. Um, then double down on what you're passionate about because what you're passionate about, you will just like magnetically attract more sales. And you, you'll see that income as talking about like magnetism and energy. If you're distracted on something else, so like if I'm distracted trying to make a thousand bucks a month on selling oils, guess what's going to happen to that like nest egg, my original baby of a chiropractic clinic. So if it's just about financial freedom, really just like you don't mind the, uh, the jail of like four walls and eight to five, if you're like, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. I just need more financial freedom. Just double down on what you're already doing. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just keep doing it. Maybe hire a coach to clean up systems in the business you've already done. Get excellent at that first thing. Now, if you're like, and that kind of extends into like, if you're like, it's not just about financial freedom. It's about this passion, this hobby. You know, I call myself multi-pat. So my course is the multi-passionate chiropreneur, right? Because like, Oh, I don't want to just adjust. I want to have a podcast and I want to have an Airbnb and I want to have a this. You know, yeah. I, so if you're like, no, in my heart, I kind of will die if I just have to do this one thing the rest of my life. I need to be able to play in other areas. Yeah. Then still, you have to first, before you start moving in that other arena, make sure everything is secure in your brick and mortar. Around the time where I talked about that first uh, launch, the, like the four hundred dollar course, that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My practice actually not tanked, but like our numbers decreased over the three months that I was making, promoting, um, and doing that course because my practice I had built a very personality based clinic that was really dependent on me, and so a lot of people don't realize how much they've created a business that needs their life force in it. Like even if they've delegated and they've automated and they've done all these things, you remove their mojo, you remove their energy and the employees are just like, wah, wah. And so you need to make sure that before you get like, not distracted, but before you're going to add something to your plate, that your original commitments feel loved that you have systems and procedures like meetings, like regular meetings and check-ins with these people to make sure, and they know you haven't abandoned them for your next new adventure. Like that's really, really important. And so making sure that it's going back of like systems, procedures, meetings, checklists, like key, key performance indicators with your employees, all of those like business terms with your original baby, you know, then going like, all right, what is my why? So I want something that gives me more financial freedom and f virtual freedom, you know, or whatever it is, but like figure out like, what are you creating? You know, for us, for our Airbnb, when we added that, it was because I wanted a really nice house on a really nice lake in our area. You know, we plan to like retire half the year in this area. We love this area of Northern yeah. Wisconsin. Well, those houses were like three quarters of a million dollars. And like, you know, the the business went is going good. But, you know, like my husband was like, I don't want like I would rather look at a real estate investment versus just becoming house poor. So we're like, OK, so what's the why? Well, we want to have access to yeah. a lake. We want to like let create start building our portfolio. That was our why. So then buying a house to short term rental was the answer. But if we hadn't have like done any of that, why? And it was just like, well, I just want to be on a lake. Then we would have, you know, gotten ourselves, you know, just in a situation where it's like, all right, we have this large mortgage that isn't really doing as much for us. And so going to that why of like, what, what are you wanting to build and why? And that's important. I love that so much. And I think a lot of people, at least that I've talked to in like direct messages, and this is definitely not like my area of expertise by any means, but a lot of people come to me that do, you know, they're in the brick and mortar space and they think that in order to achieve the level of freedom that they want to achieve, that they have to be in the online space with courses and things like that. And so I love that you are 
sharing a different perspective that it doesn't, you don't have to do that in order to achieve that level of freedom if you want to. And that makes sense in terms of your passions and in terms of your why, then like, that's great. But like, there's also other ways with a brick and mortar business to achieve that level of freedom that people are searching for. So I just think that that's super amazing. And I lied. I do have one final, this is like (laughs) actually the final question. I would love to know, I'm going to ask ask you to get a little bit vulnerable. What is like one of the biggest mistakes looking back on your journey that you've made and what is a lesson that you've learned from that? Um, I would, so I'll give you kind of touch on the true one is the one I already touched on is that I, I got distracted with a flashy object of like starting something, a side hustle. And I left a team of eight people feeling like I was done with them. Yeah. And so that was absolutely the number one thing that I was like, whoa, whoops-a-doodle, like can't have that happening, right? Like you yeah. can't have your, you know, your your nest egg of, you know, the thing that is actually paying your bills substantially fall apart while you're trying to chase this other thing. Now, a less vulnerable one is that for a while our brick and mortar was trying to play the reels game and trying to go viral. And we did. And it completely ruined our Instagram account. Like completely. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I want, I want more. I want yeah. more. We have, we have time. I think that's, that's worth diving into. <laughs> so, and this is controversial. Like I know that we're all, you know, but brick and mortar business in a, t- a county of 50,000 people. Okay. Most of that community is still using Facebook heavily. Yep. And right. So we had about 900 followers on our Instagram account. We would put a story out and get, you know, three to 400 views. You know, we would put a video out and get 500 to a thousand views. Like good, you know, you put something, get like four to six comments, like good engagement. Yeah. And then we posted a video um, about how chiropractic helps you poop. And it went like 11 million views viral. We went from 900 to 21,000 in the course of a month. Like it just, that thing just kept going. And at first it was so exciting because going viral is like going into a casino and just like being at a slots machine and you're just like, Holy cow. You just like every time we would like refresh the screen, it was another hundred likes, another 10 followers. It was like so exciting. So we let it happen. Yeah. And then (laughs) 21,000 followers. Our town is 8,000. Okay. Our county is 50. So like these are not people. So then I start getting messages like, oh my gosh, where are you located? Like my baby needs this. I think I need this. Does this work on adults? And because I love chiropractic, I'm like, we're going to, we got to answer these DMs, right? Like you got to, okay, where are you? So then now here I am on the internet trying to find a pediatric certified chiropractor in Dallas that I would send them to. Okay, try this person. And oh, thank you so much. For a couple of weeks, we had one of our front desk, like just handling DMs and helping people find a chiropractor that can help them. Yeah. Which is great. Well, then we go and post on stories and all of a sudden now we're getting like 200 views. Half as many views as when we had 900 people and now we have 21,000. That all were collected in the month over one single reel. And like the engagement just went to nothing. And like, you know, this, obviously, you know this, but like, (laughs) you know, when you're looking at the metrics, even if we, okay, so if 400 people were viewing our stories, but it was 400 of the 900 like engaged people in my community, that is worth so much more than if 2000 of the 21,000, because it's just a percentage. And so like the percentage, like of the, you know, like it's not people who, matter? Ugh. I don't mean that they don't matter. Yeah, but, but matter not- in terms of your business and what's going to bring you money and what's going to help you to hit your goals at the end of the day, for sure. 
Yeah. So now um, I'll have chiropractors reach out and say like, okay, I know that this is your story. Like we're going viral. What do you recommend I do? And I would love your opinion on this, Maya. But like I tell them like I would delete it. I would stop the hemorrhaging. I would, And they're like, what? But and I'm like, I know, I know, I know. So then I say, like, you know what? Fine. Then pick either Instagram and TikTok. Do one of them for like local sales, and then one to feed the ego. Yeah. Like, fine. If you want to become a famous chiropractor, honestly, I just interviewed a chiropractor who got a show on TLC because she was found on TikTok. Yeah. So like, there are opportunities that can happen. Like, if you want to become a famous chiropractor, then like have both. But like. When you're looking at return on investment, it can it can really tank. Yeah. But also like your question though is like, what is your why? Like, why are you doing it? What is the purpose behind you doing it? Because if your goal is to be on TLC or whatever, then that's great. Yeah. Like obviously then you want that type of virality. You want the visibility to people who are outside of your community, but that's not most people's goal. And so, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. I mean, it's better to, I mean, you're a perfect example of that. It's better to have an audience of people who are very specific to the business that you are wanting to build, to the goals that you have, than to have an audience of people who are just these random people out there on the internet. And I hear a lot of times too, people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to make my reels a little bit less specific. And, you know, then I'm going to gain more followers and then it's going to help me to grow. And it's like, no potentially a, f- a few of that percentage of followers that are going to come from that viral reel are going to be people who are going to be your purchasing customers, but the very large majority of that are not, you know, and it's like, that's not beneficial. And I think that, I don't know, the reason why I wanted to, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I wanted to have you on, on the podcast, but a big reason was, is you're, I mean, you're the perfect example of it's not more followers equals more sales at the end of the day. And I think that a lot of times, well, in our space right now in social media, people are just so, so much chasing the virality, so much chasing the number of followers. And, you know, it's easy for me to say, right? Because like, obviously, you know, I'm over (laughs) here with like 275,000 followers. I'm like, oh, yeah, chasing. But also at the same time, though, it's like, ultimately, like, who's going to be that person that helps you to help helps you to get to your goals. And it's going to be the person who is your ideal customer, your ideal follower, your ideal client. And there are some niches where you might have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there who are your ideal client, but there are a lot of niches out there where that's not the case. Like I even have a one-on-one client that I just finished working with and she is um, an MS physical therapist, so multiple sclerosis. And I'm like, okay, well, And I was just talking to her the other day and she's like, what do I need to do to improve on my Instagram account? And she has like 25,000 followers, which is amazing. And she's like, what do I need to do to improve to reach more people, more visibility? And I was like, you're probably like reaching a lot of the people that, you know, you could potentially reach, you know, like thinking about how many of those people are, you know, on Instagram and like how many. So it's like you have to think of it in terms of that and like get really realistic. And I'm like, you are an expert in your space. And it's not that more followers is going to equal more sales at the end of the day. Now it's really utilizing and really nurturing that community that you already have to then be able to hit those goals, right? And if you do nurture those people, I mean, again, you're a prime example of that. Like if you do nurture that community, even with a small number of people, you're going to be able to hit those goals. So I just appreciate you sharing all of that. I have one tiny thing that I like have to add on to this because it's super important. So one of the things that like in this conundrum of like, okay, figuring out what does well with the audience was so, okay, so I have a bunch of chiropractors following me, right? And so the nature of this is like, I can create content for the chiropractors in two ways. One, content that they will share because they have patients following them. Yeah. So the chiropractors that follow me have patients following them. So I can create content of like, here's four stretches for pregnancy or like, you know, and all of the chiropractors that follow me will go, oh yeah, I want my audience to see this. Yeah. I will share it. And that reel will likely go a lot more, like do really, really well because I'm going to have, you know, it might get reshared 300 times. But then if I increase, you know, my followers, what followers am I getting? I'm getting my chiropractor's patients. And that's not my target audience. Those patients are coming to me because they want like chiropractic advice where I'm giving business advice to chiropractors. And so then if I post something that is like, here's four ways that I, you know, attract more patients on Instagram. 
the chiropractors love it, but they're not going to share that. Yeah. Not what their audience wants. And so it was this really hard thing of like, I knew if I create something that all the chiropractors are like, or, you know, if I say something that like kind of makes fun of a patient, right? Like, you know, tongue in cheek, we all do it in our professions. Oh, I'm going to have a bunch of chiropractors just laughing and commenting and being like, oh my God, that's so true. But they're not going to share it. Yeah. So like, it was this thing where you're like, you know, for the MS physical therapist, you know, it was like, well, is her audience people with MS or, you know, or she could start jumping into the other doctors who treat MS, Yeah. but then MS patients are going to be like, well, this isn't relevant to me. And so you do go like, oh, this is difficult. Yeah, no, I love that. It's just like, it's sticking with it though. And like for like looking at your story again, it's like you stuck with it and here you are. And so I don't know, there's just so much power in that, but okay. I want to wrap things up here. So much good things that have been shared. Thank you for all of that. Where can people find you? Um, well, I suppose you can find me on Instagram. Like, <laughs> I'm not opposed, but like you're probably going to find it kind of boring. So no. So my podcast is She Slays the Day podcast. I will say the podcast is much more broad ranging. Um, like we just did a topic on like parasites and yeah. stuff. So like, Yes, some of the episodes are very systems and procedures, but I would say like 50% of the episodes are really not chiropractic specific. It's much more like entrepreneurs, health stuff, like just fun stuff like that. But so it's She Slays the Day podcast and then Instagram where you can laugh along to chiropractic stuff is at She Slays the Podcast. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all of your thoughts and all of your your wealth of knowledge. And I appreciate you so much for sharing everything with us on the podcast. Thanks, Maya. If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you and I'll talk to you in the next episode.